Well, good morning to you, Gil Prescott. Good morning to you, Adrian. Nice to see you again. Yeah, nice to see you as well, sir. We did uh, we did sort of rummage around through our brains the other day trying to work out how we first met. Did we did we come to a conclusion on that in the end? I'm not sure that we did. Um, it's a bit transient, isn't it, our business? So <laughs> you're forever meeting people, and uh, uh, it, it is a strange business. It's one-off, isn't it, basically? Well, I, I keep saying to you, you and it, it must sound really weird when I say it, because uh, it's so irregular that we do talk to each other these days, but um, I do see you as a long-lost friend. Um, you actually uh, you helped incredibly when I brought a Turkish player across to Macclesfield, way back in time and um, ever since then every time I've met you I've just thought wow what an incredibly fascinating chap. <laughs> Thank you very much I mean I love the Tur Turkey itself I love Turkish players and I think the world's far wider than the UK you know there are lots of good players everywhere Adrian. Yeah so just tell me to, to people who haven't met Gil Prescott before uh, this is a very narrow question but nevertheless one I'll ask just to start off with if I was to try and put you in a pigeonhole what is it you say to people that you actually do for a living? I think the nearest to it is a professional football scout. Professional uh, football scout, yeah. Basically, I've, as you know, done management, um, all kinds of virtually everything, but it's the thing I enjoy most and it's the thing I, I think is most vital in football recruitment. So tell us a bit. I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated by you and... Uh... Uh, there's not many people in life that I meet that uh, have worked with so many different clubs, but uh, work to the, the higher echelons of even being a, a manager of a national team for a country. Uh, tell the world about what Gil Prescott has done in terms of his football career. Oh, <laughs> have you got two minutes? I mean, basically, <laughs> um, I started off at 16, uh, my first game in what would be senior football. I then played for Whitten Albion when I was 17 in what would now be the National League. And I was signed by Manchester City then. Uh, and I played in their youth team in 1964. <laughs> you know, that was before they had goalposts and things. Uh, <laughs> and then I played in non-league for many years in both England and Wales. Um, I went on into scouting when I, while I was still playing, basically. I worked for Blackpool. And the list of managers, uh, well, I'll give you the list. Bob Stokoe, Alan Brown, Harry Potts, Jimmy Meadows, Stan Turnant, who's still a personal friend, Alan Ball, who I played for his dad as well. I played for Alan Ball's dad in, at Nantwich. Uh, Sam Ellis, Jimmy Mullen and Billy Eyre, sadly no longer with us. I then went to, to Villa with Graham Taylor, who was assisted by John Ward. Sheffield United, where I worked with Jack Whittam, which was, which was a massive pleasure. Jack Whittam's a great lad. And the managers there were Neil Warnock, who was ably assisted by Mick Jones. Gary Speed, sadly not with us anymore. Um, Kevin Blackwell, John Carver. The CEO was Trevor Birch, who's just moved to Tottenham, and what a good lad to work with he was. Brilliant. And Carl Sheber was also the CEO there. Uh, I worked for Rangers under Jock Wallace. Um, Plymouth Argyle, I was chief scout there for Bobby Saxton. Uh, <laughs> his Oldham Athletic with Ian Dowie and Tony Phyllis Kirk. Great lad, Ian Dowie. Uh, he works hard at making people think he's daft, but believe me, he's an intelligent man. Really is. Love working with him. 
uh, Blackburn Rovers uh, with Tony Mowbray, Gary Bowyer, Brian Kidd, uh, Macclesfield Town, as you know, with Sammy McElroy for 10 years. We were fortunate enough to win 15 trophies in those 10 years. We won the National League twice uh, and we also won the FA Trophy at Wembley. Um, promotion to League One in our first year in the Football League as well. We, we got an automatic promotion. Um, would you be interested in hearing about some of the players that we've found over the years? Well, I think, uh, I mean, I have to say, to start off with, I mean, wow, like, just as I expected to say, I mean, that, that is a, a who's who of the football industry and, uh, and very, very impressive as well. Did you mention within that the, uh, the national role that you did? Uh, no, that's that was a bit later on at Saudi Arabia. And um, it was 1990 stroke 91. It was quite an amusing time. Well, I wouldn't say amusing, but the Gulf War was still going on when I started. And obviously things were a little bit touchy-feely at the time. And uh, some of the experiences there were just unbelievable. It, we were based in Jeddah, which is a lovely city, uh, right on the Red Sea. And um, it was probably more cosmopolitan than the majority of Saudi Arabia at the time. But I enjoyed my time there. Uh, I learned Arabic, which I've lost now. I've not used it for 30 years, but... Um, I think it's essential to try and mix in with the culture that you're there. And uh, they were they were good people. I enjoyed working with them. And I didn't realise until you started going through that CV, uh, Gil, that um, you mentioned Ian Dowie and Tony Phyllis-Kirk. Yeah. I'm thinking even though our past didn't cross on that occasion, um, you must have been working for Oldham Athletic at the same time that I was sent in there to save them. 2004, I got sent in to um, when they were in there the height of their financial difficulties and Ian was manager at that point before leaving. I must have still been there. I mean, I left uh, not reluctantly because Sammy McRoy got the job at Stockport County. And as you know, I'd worked with Sammy for 10 years at Macclesfield and he asked me to go as chief scout at Stockport. All I can say uh, about Stockport, the staff throughout were brilliant. I really said to Sam, you've got a hell of a chance here. These people are top notch. But the guy who run the club was only interested in rugby union. Uh, I love rugby union, but not at the expense of my football. <laughs> and they were spending vast amounts on rugby players and very little on football. So the inevitable happened with it, sadly. But great club, still have a lot of affection for, um, for the club. And as you know, that's the, the club that I follow to this date, but um, purely as a fan these days. Uh, well, Stuart White, who's a friend of mine, who's... Of course. Yeah, well, his father was on the board there, and what a gentleman he was. He had, he had a very good reputation there. I think in the old days, the people on the board were very much gentlemen who wanted to help. They didn't want the face on the back of the paper. Uh, and he was absolutely brilliant to work with. Really well, I think the, the, the only story I, I know about um, uh, Stuart's father was um, uh, apparently uh, when he was nearing his bereavement, um, county at the time were once again in financial difficulties, as you allude to. And um, it said to Stuart, apparently, you need to go out and find that potato man. And everybody said, what are you talking about? What, what do you mean the potato man? He said, there's a man close by who's involved with potatoes um, and they are quite a sizable company 
and he just gives some money to sponsorship and sport. And he's the sort of person you need to get into um, Stockport County. So one of the former chairmen, uh, a guy called Alwyn Thompson, and I one day peddled off to this potato factory and found this guy <laughs> called Richard Park. And uh, a few months later, he was appointed chairman of the club. Good it shows we all listen to each other. Well, I think we do. And uh, what people really don't understand, sometimes I don't miss the games, believe it or not, un- even under this, but I do miss the people. Yeah. Uh, we, we all get together. You, sometimes you learn more in prior to the game than actually watching the player in the game. You know, you learn what kind of lad he is, where he's from, what his parents are like. It's amazing what you pick up inside the fraternity which is scouting, you know. Well, I know uh, I, I know some of the players, obviously not all the players. There's no way I could know all the players that you've looked at in your time. But uh, I know one that's uh, a personal one that I think is a phenomenal player that you uh, spotted yourself. But um, before I, I mention that person's name, tell us about some of the players that you have scouted and who do you regard possibly as uh, one of your biggest successes? There was loads, really. But um, if you look at the ones that I, I took in, uh, I took in... Uh, a long time ago, I played in Wales uh, in the Welsh League and I got a whisper that there was a guy playing at Landudno that was quite good, a goalkeeper. So I went to look at him and it was Neville Southall. Oh, very good. Uh, <laughs> and he was excellent on the day. And within three months of that, a personal friend who I'd played with at Northwich Vicks was manager at Winsford United. He said, hey, we've just taken this keeper. Unbelievable. I said, what's his name? He said, Neville Southall. So I recommended him to Blackpool, who I was working for at the time, and they couldn't take him because they had two international keepers, McAllister and Ian Hesford. So I rung a mate at Berry. They signed him for 10 grand and sold him for 150 grand within three months, I think, or six months. And the rest is history with Neville. Oh, he was he was different class. I mean, he, he still looked the same then. He looked as though he'd just <laughs> just come off the bin wagon. But uh, <laughs> when it came to being a keeper, oh, he's just and his feet were brilliant. He was way before his time with that. Ashley Williams is another one of mine. I took him on a free from Hensford, um, and he he's had a great career. And Ricky Lambert, I took from Blackpool on a free transfer uh, and sold him to. Stockport and uh, the rest history with Ricky. You know, oh, he did brilliantly. Ashley and Ricky are both uh, firmly in my heart as former Stockport County players. Lovely lad as well. Both of them, lovely lads, you know, yeah. and, and it matters in the end, you know. And um, some, some people as well that you see. And um, when I was at Sheffield United, Neil Warnock was the manager at the time, and Neil was very pro-English rather than bringing too many foreign players in. But I used to go to the Toulon tournament every year, which is a two-week tournament in the south of France. And everybody was going mad about a Brazilian called Fred. Uh, Man City signed him in there, but I fancied somebody better than him, a lad called Fernandinho. Uh (laughs) He, um, He played as a winger at the time, believe it or not. But he was so English, he, he likes to put a foot in. He has a big heart, could play, decent mobility. I think we could have signed him for two million, but they didn't. And he went to Shakhtar Donetsk, sadly broke his leg. But when he came back to City for 30 million or whatever, uh, he's been phenomenal. I just love him. His, his attitude is just the same now as it was then. 
Um, Steve Mandanda uh, at Marseille, he was another one I wanted to sign, the keeper. He's been in Marseille's goal for God knows how many years now. Um, Nagolo Conte, I recommended him when he was at Cannes in France. That was the person I was thinking of. Yeah, he's a good player and goal. And Luka Modric, I went to Dynamo Zagreb to watch somebody else. And I said, forget him, there's a kid here, 17 stroke 18. And I think he's going to be some player. Um, and I think he has, he's done okay, hasn't he? Um, there were lots really that you see over the years and some that you know are not really within our spectrum in terms of finance. Um but, you know, it doesn't take away the pleasure of seeing one and recognising one and thinking that, you know, they've, they've done well in the career, which is... And it, the way they portray themselves matters as well for me. And uh, I think sometimes it's more important what kind of lad he is than how good he is. I'm just listening to some of the, the earlier grassroots stories where you spotted players and things, and I'm just thinking, only this week I had a conversation with a personal friend of mine, a guy called Mervyn Payne, who's just released, uh, or republished, I should say, a book by a gentleman called Phil Staley. I know Phil Staley well. <laughs> well, I thought, you, I thought you would do. He did a book called uh, Get Those Sheep Off the Pig. Uh, oh, I happened to do the get involved with the first publishing of it, um, and I've, more importantly, I've read it, and the stories about non-league football, I'm just thinking, that must be the same world that Gill's operated in. Oh, believe me, Phil was a star, a real star, a one on his own, a, a real character, I loved him uh, and we actually, a long time ago, went way before I went to Macclesfield, a few years before, I went to watch Mosley play somebody in the, what would be the trophy and there was this gingerhead kid running around like an absolute head of the ball, he tackled everything, he headed him, he's only about five foot eight, skinny as hell, Steve Woody was called and I said to Sammy McElroy when we got together, we need to sign Steve Wood. And he said, oh, he's Phil Staley's got him. And Phil charged us 200 quid for him. <laughs> he wasn't playing him. But we took him and he got into our first team. He played in League One and scored 12 goals as a midfielder in League One. Really? He was, you know, he, he was what sums up non-league. I think he had a heart like a bucket and he could play a bit as well. Uh, he scored the winner at Stevenage uh, with a curling free kick the last minute. We'd been down to 10 men because Johnny Askey had been a naughty boy and got sent out, which is un not unusual for John. And um, he curled one in in the last minute. Well, the whole world erupted. It was brilliant, you know. Um, they were one of our major rivals, obviously, at the time. Now, uh, I remember the last time I'd seen you prior to today was uh, when you kindly invited me over to your house ooh, a good few years back now. Yeah, but I just remember being, uh, it was in a world and it was like uh, uh, a schoolboy's dream. You just had a, a room, which would be your study, and you had screen after screen after screen. And you could uh, switch between screens, watching different players, watching the same player, different matches. And your attention to detail was phenomenal. Um, I guess you've still got that set up at home now, have you? I have. Good job somebody, you know, gave me the time to <laughs> learn to use the thing. I'm not technologically brilliant, but I do think if you don't get on the bus, you get left behind. And people moan about too many analysts, not enough scouts. I think there should be an amalgam of the two. 
I think it's vital to stats. You can't live on stats. I think gut feeling takes precedence, but I think stats do help you get to that gut feeling sometimes if you look at it. And why would you throw away what's... I listen to everybody and try and sift what they say and you'd be amazed some people you think you'd never get something that have given you the, the best things you've you've worked with it, it's amazing i think you must, should listen to everybody and sift it and you've got your own bespoke software package but i think certainly for my times working in sports education in recent years um you, you quite often get people from wise scout coming along and other mm-hmm. sort of big brand names in the analyst software package world is, is everything you use just your own proprietary stuff now, or do you use any of the big brand stuff? No, uh, now and again I, I do, um, because obviously I'm not at Blackburn Rovers anymore. Uh, I don't have access to their um, Opta things. To be fair, um, Lee Jameson, who in, invented Scout 7 and uh, initialised it, he, when he left, Opta took over, and Lee's now starting a new thing called Insight 7 which looks at all under 23 players worldwide and it's a leg up to the within the business they will find them but it takes you so long to find them if they're put in front of you and then you can look at them and justify them yourself it's a hell of a leg up and that other than the covid that would be going really well for him now because he's a very very bright man right i'll have to look out for that one yeah insight seven it's called and, I, and, and people talk about themselves being scouts and people talk about themselves being analysts. I seem to come across more and more people that have got that title now. But there's very few people that come across with your wealth of experience. Um, but how, how, do, how does the world start? How do people start on that journey if they want to embark upon a career as a scout, perhaps from, as from being a young person or 18, 19, 20 years of age? I think um, today they can go through some of your expertise in terms of college education nothing teaches you to spot a player you can spend 20 years um, doing all the courses god sends Uh, but i think you're born with spotting a player basically and i agree there's a lot of people that you deal with that have had very high profile jobs and I wouldn't trust them uh, at all with a player. And there's other people that have virtually done it for nothing. And you'd know if they said this kid can play, you'd know he can play. Yeah. Uh, so I, I wouldn't judge using the higher echelons as always the best. I understand. So I've said that uh, I genuinely want to go out of my way. I want, I want to uh, renew contact with you. Um, I'm always interested in following where you go next, but um to the world that's out there uh, and to Adrian's stores to educate him, what do you believe the next step should be for Gil? What what would you ideally like to look for in terms of your next career move? Because I know you're, you're always going to want to stay in this industry. Yes, I am. Uh, I'm addicted, I'm afraid. So uh, basically, I would like to work more from home. Uh, I will go to games, but the days where I travel 200 miles and thought... Excuse me one second. It's absolutely no problem. Oh, dear. Um, yes, um, I, I just will go to games, and I think it's essential to go to games because of what we've spoken about prior, that you do 
um, get more information sometimes prior to the game um, than you do, you know, actually watching the game. So I'll just turn that off, make sure we don't get another one. There we go. Um, yeah, I was trying, so, trying to detect the, the dialects on your ringtone. I was thinking, is that the Arabic that you say you've forgotten? Yes, it is. It's an Arabic chant from... Uh, <laughs> I, I love the Arabic, and as I say, I, I enjoyed my time there. Um, the other thing, I think, is that I'd like to do consulting for people there's so many now, eventually the English players are going to Germany and other places and doing well. I look at our under-23s, it's a little bit like netball, some of the games. It's non-physical, which I don't like. I think uh, FIFA, the FA and the UEFA have got a lot to answer for in terms of taking the physicality away. They've also taken the common sense away with VAR and, and the offside law and handball. I just think it's time that football people got back in control uh, rather than people who wear suits and have never kicked a ball. And I think it's essential that they do get into the the people who, who know the job. You know, like that's why Brian Clough never got the England job, wasn't it? Um, so, so they say. That's right. Yeah, yeah. He still, uh, I still remember vividly the um, the night he brought Nottingham Forest to Stockport County, and um, it's not a fake story. This is a genuine story, and the the applause he got from the home crowd at Stockport, even though he was the opposition manager, it says a lot about how in many people he was going to be the the people's choice, wasn't he? Oh, without without doubt, and. Uh... You know, uh, I've spoken to his lad quite a few times uh, when he was managing at Burton Albion. and uh, he's, he's just taken a job at Mansfield, hasn't he? He has, and good luck to him. Yeah. You know, there's no easy management jobs today, and uh, finance, as it is, and with the COVID, makes it even more difficult, I think. And uh, So in terms of low-hanging fruit, Gil, uh, to stick on the point, uh, what would be the ideal appointment for you now? Well, I'd like to be a consultant. Uh, I, I don't mind doing several types of consultancy, you know, in terms of um, assessing players they've already thought they'd like or trying to find ones that they've not thought of as yet. Um, as I say, as long as it caters around where I am at home, mainly, uh, it would suit me better uh, today. I will go out. I do go out because you need to go out, but I don't want to be chasing all over Europe and Africa again. And um, I did so many countries over the five years at Sheffield. I was European and World Scout for them. And we did Peru for one game, would you believe? <laughs> so that, that was great, about 58 hours <laughs> for one game. Um, but it, it did open your eyes. You know, we, we did virtually all of Europe, quite a lot of sub-Sahara Africa. Um, a lot of Saudi Arabia, that kind of area as well. And Turkey, as you know, I love Turkey. And it was an experience you'd never forget, Adrian. It really was. Well, my, my concluding comment is one which I've said to you before, and you give me the same answer every single time I ask you. But when are we going to bring out that Gil Prescott book? Oh, uh, I've got to learn to write first. I mean, <laughs> 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 that basically... 
I, well, no, I, I think I'd be a little bit shy about doing that. I, you know, don't jump over yourself because I, I've not done enough to really write books, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> well, Gil, that's the, the end of our formal recording as such. Uh, you know I'm going to go out of your way, uh, out of my way, sorry, to uh, try and find something for you. That was, that was one of my objectives for later in the week. Um, I've already got some clients that I'd like to talk to you about to see whether or not there can, anything strikes a chord. But... Um, uh, what I will do is, is talk to you about each and every club before I go in jumping in with my size nines and you can say, <laughs> yes, that could fit the bill for me or no, stay well clear of that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they could, mind you, if you could be saying the other way around, God, stay clear of him. <laughs> it's just, um, you, I, I, thank, I do thank you very much for taking part on the interview. You're not going to disappear now, but I will stop the formal recording now. So thank you very much for taking part on today's vlog. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you, Adrian.